2: Heart of Great Perfect Wisdom Sutra. The sattva, when deeply practicing Prajnaparamita, clearly saw that all five skandhas are empty and thus relieve all suffering. Shariputra form does not differ from emptiness. Emptiness does not differ from form. Form itself is emptiness, emptiness itself form. Sensations, perceptions, formations, and consciousness are also like this. Shariputra, all dharmas are marked by emptiness. They neither arise nor cease, are neither defiled nor pure, neither increase nor decrease, therefore given emptiness. There is no form, no sensation, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eyes, no ears, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no sights, no sound, no smell, no t- is no touch, no object of mind, no realm of sight, no realm of mind, consciousness. There is neither ignorance nor extinction of ignorance, neither. And death, nor extinction of old age and death, no suffering, no cause, no cessation, no path, no knowledge, and no attainment. With nothing to attain, a bodhisattva relies on prajnaparamita, and thus the mind is without hindrance. Without hindrance there is no fear far beyond all inverted views one realizes Nirvana all Buddhas of past, present and future rely on Prajnaparamita and thereby attain unsurpassed complete perfect enlightenment therefore. Know the prajnaparamita as the great miraculous mantra, the great bright mantra, the supreme mantra, the incomparable mantra, which removes all suffering and is true, not false. Therefore, we proclaim the prajnaparamita mantra. The mantra that says, Gate Gate Paragate Bodhisattva.
0: May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the Heart of Great Perfect Wisdom Sutra. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher, Shakyamuni Buddha. Our first woman ancestor, great teacher, Maha Prajapati. Our first ancestor in China, great teacher, Bodhidharma. Our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher, Ehei Dogen. Our first ancestor in America, great teacher, Shogaku Shunryu. The perfect wisdom, Bodhisattva Manjushri. (coughs) May all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas extend their compassion to the benefit and well-being of all sentient beings. And to our great abiding friend, Mel Weitzman, May he find his true place in Buddha's way. All Buddhas throughout space and time, all honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, Maha Prajna
1: Paramita. And when Douglas is ready, we will begin.
3: Thank you. Hello, everyone. Um, It's nice to see you here. And uh, nice not to have a uh, huge crowd, which would play upon my fear, (laughs) stage fright. Um, I wanna talk tonight about a koan and the text for the koan is in the chat box. You may have to scroll up a little bit to get to the top. I don't know. Does everyone have it? Okay. So... um, I'll go ahead and read through it, and then we'll walk through it uh, step by step just to talk about it. This is case 55 from the Book of Serenity called Feng the Rice Cook. When Feng was at Deshan working as rice cook, one day the meal was late. Deshan came to the teaching hall holding his bowl. Feng said, oh, man, the bell hasn't rung yet. The drum hasn't sounded where are you going with your bowl? Deshan immediately returned to his room. Fang reported this to Yento. Even Deshan, so great, does not understand the last word, said Yento. Deshan had his attendant summon Yento and asked him, you don't agree with me. And Yento then expressed what he meant. Deshan then stopped. He said nothing. The next day when Deshan went up into the hall to speak, it was not the same as usual. Yento clapped and laughed and said, happily, the old guy understands the last word. Hereafter, no one in the world will be able to have any effect on him. So it's a little different from most koans. This is, uh, as I said, this is case 55 from the Book of Serenity. It's almost... It's also collected almost identically as Case 13 in The Gateless Gate. And I think I've mentioned my principle about reading koans in the past, that if, if a story appears in two or three of the principal koan collections, I have always assumed it makes a lot of sense to, sense to spend some time with it. So there are three principal characters in this koan. The first one, obviously, is Deshan who was one of the great Zen teachers and who appears in a fair number of koans. And we've talked about Deshan at Age Dragon before, fairly recently. There's a story everyone's familiar with about how as a younger monk, Deshan was a great sutra master who specialized in the Diamond Sutra. And he, so he would travel from monastery to monastery um, giving lectures on the Diamond Sutra, providing commentaries. And, at the, and when he was a young man, he had traveled to the south to give talks and also to challenge people's understanding of, of, uh, of the Diamond Sutra and also to give some trouble to uh, Zen monks. And you may remember that he met a tea lady, a woman who was selling uh, refreshments, selling uh, dim sum. And when he went to buy some of the refreshments, the tea lady asked, well, there's a, can you explain what the, uh, the Diamond Sutra means when it says uh, you, the, the mind of the present, the mind of the past, the mind of the future are ungraspable. Which mind will you refresh when you eat the refreshments? And Deshan couldn't answer, and he became so frustrated that he burned all of his notes on the Diamond Sutra and went to study Zen with tin. An interesting thing about Dishan is that having been a sutra master, having made his living studying a text and having given talks about texts, the koans related to Dishan are really nonverbal. He insisted he did was not at all interested in explaining the Dharma in the koans. He wants to manifest the Dharma nonverbally. So in most of his koans, he, when someone has a, question, he'll either shout or he'll, he'll uh, hit them with a stick or he'll just be silent. And probably the most famous koan of his is that he would hold up his nyoi, his short stick as a Zen te- that a Zen teacher has, and he would say, well, if you call this a stick, I'll give you 30 blows. If you say it's not a stick, I'll give you 30 blows. So the next, <laughs> the next of the characters is Shui Feng, who is the Tenzo, the head of the kitchen. And Shuefang eventually became a great teacher. Here he was still making some progress in the koans. He's usually treated as kind of a plotter, certainly um, a promising monk, but not the most brilliant of Zen students. And that's in contrast to Yento, who was six years younger than his friend, who was six years younger than Shuefang, but who was considered a brilliant monk, And he went on to become a uh, Zen teacher himself. Um, There are a number of koans about him. He died at a comparatively young age when he was murdered by bandits in his monastery. And his dying scream was supposed to have been able to be heard 10 miles away. So um, this is a koan that really has four acts. You know, in act one, Deshan comes to the Dharma hall, hall at lunchtime with his bowl, but lunch is late. The bell hasn't rung, the drum hasn't sounded. And I guess an interesting part about this koan is normally koans can be kind of ambiguous and hard to understand because of their use of difficult metaphors. They're talking about, in a, in a sort of unique way, about difficult Buddhist concepts. They use a lot of vernacular language from eight or nine hundred years ago. They presuppose a tremendous knowledge of Buddhist scriptures and classical Chinese uh, literature. But this one is even more difficult because uh, it tells us a story, but it doesn't explain a lot of things that we would think would be very important. So anyway, Deshan has come down to the, uh, the Dharma hall with his bowls ready for lunch, even though, the um, the bell, the gong hasn't sounded for lunch and the drum hasn't sounded. And you kind of wonder, okay, well, how did that happen? Why did he come? Normally the rules would be that you would wait to hear the bell and the drum before you would then come to meals. Um, maybe he was spaced out. Maybe he heard the end of the midday service and knew that it was lunchtime, wondered why the bell hadn't rung and he was coming down to say, well, was that a mistake? Have you just forgotten to ring the bell and play the drum? Um, how long is it going to be until we have lunch? Is, can I help out? We don't know. Feng seems to think perhaps that Deshan is spaced out, that he's sort of lost it. At least he isn't following the monastery schedule the way the rules would require. So he says, hey, old man, the lunch bell hasn't rung and the drum hasn't sounded. Where are you going with your bowl? Kind of rough, kind of rude, Disrespectful. And the question you ask yourself is, why is he acting this way? I mean, it's pretty shocking that a monk would treat his master, the head of the monastery, in this way. So you ask yourself, is he just embarrassed because the meal is late? He's, he's, uh, He's done a bad job, and he's just trying to deflect blame by giving Deshan a hard time for not following the rules? Or... Is this some sort of Dharma challenge, also maybe to sort of deflect blame? Is he saying something like, Well, you've come down here assuming that it's lunchtime, even though the bells haven't rung and the drum hasn't sounded. You seem to think that there's something called lunchtime, but that's just a mental fabrication. You know about the Diamond Sutra that there, that can't grasp the mind of the past, the present, or the future. Time is continuous. Lunch is served when the food is ready, when the bell is rung, the drum is sounded, when causes and conditions come together. So there's no such thing as lunchtime. So what's going on? Why are you here? Show me your zen. Um. Deshan doesn't want to get into any sort of this, isn't interested in any discussion like that, if that's what Schwefan Shui- was looking for. He just turns around and walks back to his room without saying anything. And I think it's important to remember that Deshan almost always teaches in koan. He's always teaching without speaking. It's always a nonverbal teaching. This is a- non nonverbal teaching. You know, most of us, when we if we were faced with this kind of rough, rude criticism, what the hell are you doing here with your bowls? You're not following the schedule. We would have responded reflexively with some kind of, some heat saying, well, you can't talk to me like that. I'm the Zen master here. I came down here at lunchtime and you didn't have lunch ready. What's going on? You were supposed to have lunch ready. But Deshan doesn't do that. He lets go of any self-centered, dualistic, deluded thinking of who's right, who's wrong. He's not at all caught up in in any thoughts or desires or emotions like that. He simply gets out of the way, which allows the kitchen crew to finish lunch and feed the monks who are sitting in the Dharma Hall waiting to be served. The ability to, I mean, that is a perfect demonstration of the point of Zen. Being able to drop off those self-centered thoughts, emotions, desires, and to act freely without delusion—that's what we aspire to. But uh, there's no indication that Schwefel understands that at all, and that takes us to Act Two. So, Schwefel. Goes to see his friend uh, Yento. He tells him what happened, and Yento says, "Hey, even the great Deshan doesn't understand the last word." Sort of, Yento's lost the step. But I think we need to remember. You know, we could take it literally like that. I think the, the 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 koan still works if we read this as Yento criticizing Deshan but I think it's important to remember the sort of a convention in koans that when someone in a koan is is praised, it's really a criticism. When they're criticized, it's usually some sort of indirect praise. And here, I think, um, look at Yento's phrase about the last word. It's also called Translated as the last phrase, it's the ultimate phrase, it's the ultimate truth of Zen. Um, You know, you could call it the ultimate truth, the universal, the fundamental, the one. The point is that words can't capture the ultimate truth of Zen. Any description of the real in words is going to be partial, it's going to be dualistic, and fail to capture the whole of reality in its identity and multiplicity of interdependent um, causation. And even logically for uh, that phrase of the last word is itself conditioned because for each word like ultimate truth, universal truth, last word, fundamental truth, there's a first word, there's a particular, there's a conventional reality, there's the many. And uh, so for every particular and conventional and many, there's ultimate, universal, the one. So in that case, there really, if we're talking about words, there really can't be a last word of Zen because every time we talk about what Zen is talking about, we refer to the ultimate, there's always going to be a response to say, well, but what about the conventional? Every time we talk about the conventional, the response is going to be, what about the universal? So in at least the realm of thought, these are dependent. And we get caught up in the thinking and fail to connect with the reality of this moment. So I think it it would be helpful to realize that the real isn't a word, the last word isn't a word, the real is this, the reality, the vivid presence of this moment. Just this moment, in the reality of this moment, not the phrase, just this moment, that's the last word. But even then, this moment can't be the last word, right? Because reality is constantly unfolding moment by moment by moment. So each moment is the last word. So um, I think that Yento is really praising Deshan by saying that he doesn't know the last word, by saying he's not caught up in the last word, he doesn't he's not caught up in thinking in uh, dualistic, deluded terms about the reality, the ultimate reality of Zen and our life. And he's giving Shuefeng a hint about what really happened when Deshan turned around and went back to his room without saying anything. But there's no suggestion that Feng understands this at all. So we get to Act 3. So somehow Deshan has heard about this conversation and he summons... Yento to his room, and he says, you don't agree with me? You have a problem with me? And in other translations, it's clear that Yento whispers something in his ear. The interesting thing about this koan is it doesn't tell you what he says. So you have to ask yourself again, does it matter? Maybe it does matter. When we get to the discussion period, one of you can tell me what you think he might have whispered in his ear. Um, Do we care what he said? I don't think we care what he said because we get to act four then. The next day, Deshan gives a Dharma talk that's different from any of the Dharma talks he's given before. And when he finishes, Yento celebrates, he runs to the front of the Dharma hall and he's dancing and shouting, and waving his arms. He's saying, hooray, now Deshan understands the last word. Again, there's, no, there's nothing about what Deshan had to say. Do we care? I don't think we care. That's the whole point, that it isn't important. The most important thing is not what Deshan said. I think the point is that Deshan has responded skillfully and appropriately to this situation. He knows that Schwefan didn't understand his first demonstration uh, when he returned to his room. He knows that Feng didn't understand when Yen To gave him his hint that this isn't about uh, returning to his room was Yen To's demonstration of, of the ultimate point of Zen. So Deshan gave a very different Dharma talk to make the Dharma clear to Feng. I think that's the point here, that there isn't a right way to give a Dharma talk. There isn't a wrong way to give a Dharma talk. There's not a model that you use to give the ideal Dharma talk Deshan spoke to the necessity of this moment, whatever was required to try to wake Shwefang up, acting skillfully to demonstrate the Dharma. So Deshan, once again, by willing his willingness not to get stuck in the idea of what's a, what's a good Dharma talk, what's a bad Dharma talk, what's the right way, what's the wrong way, how we do this. He made another demonstration in the very uh, in his giving a new kind of Dharma talk with a different slant of what the Dharma is really about, meeting the needs, meeting the requirements of this moment skillfully and Yento recognizes that, but I think that's our point that 's what we need to do. We need to live moment by moment, living freely, dropping off self-centered, deluded, dualistic ideas, desires, emotions, not grasping them so that we can respond freely to the requirements of the moment, to be part of this moment. So I'm going to leave it there and um, open the floor for comments.
1: okay, Hey, good evening, Douglas. Um, so I have to respectfully disagree on on a couple of points in in this koan. Um, first, uh, when you say that Deshan immediately returned to his room, you say it's it's an expression of kind of this um, like non dual. Uh, can, can you refresh? What did you say about? Deshawn returning to his room, that it's... Uh... But he's,
3: he's not getting caught up in the headbanging, in, in getting involved in headbanging with Shui Fang on who's right and who's wrong, whether he was wrong to uh, have come before the bell and before the drum, and whether, oh, really, you're the one at fault here, Shui Fang because you're late with lunch. He's not interested in getting into an argument with Shui Fang. Uh, or getting excited about it, he's not. He's not responding really, responding in a reflexive way to the disrespect and the criticism that he's received from from Schwefang. So he returns to his room without comment, not pursuing that, and at the same time getting out of the way so that Schwefang
1: and the kitchen crew can finish lunch for the month. So, so he's kind of like eating the blame, I guess. He's like, all right, you. you. You know, you got me
3: there. I don't think he's eating the blame. I don't think he feels, I don't think he feels blame. (laughs) But yeah, I I don't think he's, uh, he's not caught up in the conflict of this situation. Like Dishon's
1: trying to get one over on him. He's like, all right, I got you. There's you. That's that's, that's not not what's happening here.
3: He's not at all interested in, in arguing on who got the best of the other one, who's right and who's wrong who came out ahead because he just, he just wants to get the monks fed. And he wants to demonstrate that that's not what's important to Shui What's important is for Shui not not to worry about whether he's embarrassed or not, whether he's late or not. The important thing is to get the food on the table
1: for the monks. I mean, what if he's just wrong? Like what if he just messed up and, and was he was facing out and he's just like, okay, I guess, I guess, I don't know. I guess it's uh there's a lot of room for interpretation in this.
3: Yeah. You can fill in facts. The interesting thing is you try and fill in facts, but what does it mean to say, well, he really felt this, or he really felt that based on what, I mean, there's no real, this is a story, right? There's no real Deshawn back there where, Somebody can say, this is what really happened. And the goan just doesn't really tell us. So you try to fill it in. But I think the point is, it doesn't really matter. If he was spaced out and he was caught out on it by Shui Feng, still Shui Feng is late. And Shui Feng is giving him a very hard time, but he doesn't respond to that. He goes, fine, that's not the point here. He's not getting caught up in that conflict, that need, that need to defend himself, and to validate himself when he's faced with this criticism. And he doesn't feel any need to say, Shweifang, you're a terrible monk. You're a horrible Tenzo. You've, you've missed lunchtime. The monks are sitting in the Dharma Hall. They're starving to death. And you're trying to start an argument. He just says, he leaves so that Shweifang can finish. I think that was the, the skillful demonstration of his not, it's of his not clinging to delusion, not getting caught up in delusion. I mean I have to I have to imagine that anyone being spoken to so roughly and disrespectfully and critically would have some sort of would kind of go, what? But he didn't get caught up in it. He took the next step and went back to his room without getting caught up in that in that conflict. And,
1: he doesn't have to respond to him at all because he has the, he's the bully pulpit. He has he's the one giving the dharma talk at the end. I mean, I think you say that it's not important what he says in the talk, but it's like, I mean, that's the key to this koan. I think is like what he said that that's okay. Now he understands the last word. What's he, what is he saying in the dharma talk about Shui Fang uh, That is so I think key and pivotal in this koan. Do you think
3: Deshan doesn't know the last word? Yeah. So, so in your in your story, in your interpretation, and, and I think it's one possible reading of the Koan, Deshan was spaced out. He came down to lunch with his bowls, even though the bell hadn't rung and the drum hadn't sounded because lunch was late. Uh when Feng criticized him, he sort of Got flustered and scuttled back to his room. Yen, uh, Yento says he doesn't understand the last word and he just hasn't got it. He's really lost. This, that the poor old guy. He used to be great. <laughs> and then when he hears that, he brings Yento back and Yento explains what the last word is to him, so that he can then give the talk. No, I, I that think... would be a re- that would be one reading.
1: I mean, he's not saying anything negatively about Deshaun at all. You touched on that point. He, he's 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 kind of commending him, Yanto. I okay. don't think. I, I mean, who knows what Yanto says to him? But it's not like he suddenly got it. He's like, oh well, well now I now I understand the last word. Now that Yanto mm-hmm. explained it to me, I don't. I
3: don't. You, think, you don't think he understood the last word before Yanto explained it to him? I don't know if Yanto explained to him the last word at all. Uh, if you'd been Yento, what would you have said to Deshan?
1: Uh I probably would have told him what I told Sui Fang, which is which is that uh he doesn't understand the last word. But that's that's again not like a criticism. Uh necessarily of Deshan.
3: Do you do you have a view on what Deshan said in that final Dharma, the new Dharma talk that was different from all his other Dharma talks?
1: Yeah. I think I think that he I think that he took Zui Feng to task.
3: Well that would be pretty harsh.
1: <laughs> to humiliate him in front of the entire monastery? I mean, is that <laughs> it happens. You know, that's like, what pretty Deshen uh Zhui Feng humiliated the, the Roshi, and then you know, not only did he tell uh, he, he told the Roshi he was jacked up he went and told the rest of the assembly that the Roshis jacked up because the rumor got all the way back to the Roshi. You know, that's like, that's not good. He had to say something.
3: Hmm. I, I don't think that Deshawn cares. Yeah, I, I don't think Deshawn cares. He's not worried about it. Um, He's trying to demonstrate
1: the last word to Jueg Fong.
3: Yeah. Does anybody have a thought about what when Deshan came down with his bowls, what could Shui Feng have, have done? How would Shui have shown maybe that he knows what the last word is?
4: David? Well, I'm really interested in the last sentence where... Uh, where Yanto says, hereafter no one in the world will be able to have any effect on him. Cause it seems to me at the beginning Deshan showed that nobody in the world can have an effect on him. He's in this potentially embarrassing situation of the of Shui Feng suddenly blasting him for, for standing there with his rice bowl, and he simply turns around and walks away. I like your reading because it makes Deshan teaching teaching Shui Feng by that by that action, and, and on that reading, what what um, what happened is is that Yento got something. He got something presumably from the Dharma talk, but maybe just from his maybe just from the interaction with with Deshan, and and that that that, that, that something is dawning on Yento. It's mm. like he's he's seeing he's seeing this thing in Deshan because because he's learning something. He's learning something new about the Dharma, and so suddenly Deshan looks looks a lot smarter to him than he did before. That's that's how that's I That's would...
3: interesting because because uh, in Act Two, when y- Yento has to go see Deshan, and he whispers what he was meant, he explains himself to Deshan. Deshan doesn't say anything, right. So he, what has he done to teach Yento? I don't know.
4: I Maybe don't know. precisely that.
3: That could be. I mean, these are uh, Deshan's uh, teaching in the koans is frequently he just somebody says something and he doesn't respond. But what do you think that? What do you think Yento might have said? I mean, we we can only speculate because there's no. You know, this is just a story, right? So, what would if you'd been filling it out the way Hongzhu didn't feel the need to fill it out? What would you have had Yentos whisper to Desha? Hmm.
4: I have no clue. <laughs> I will think That's about good. it.
3: That's good. That's good. You know, I have no.
5: I have no clue. It's pretty good.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think that, I think, um, you know, it would have been perfectly all right. I mean, the, this exchange would have been a perfect demonstration of what we aspire to, but it wouldn't have made a good koan if Shui Feng was late with lunch. Deshan came down and Shui Feng said, I'm sorry, master, lunch is late. Um, why don't you take a seat here while we finish? And I'll bring you, we'll have someone bring you some tea. And Deshawn could simply say, well, do you need for me to help out? And it would have been over. That would have been a a perfectly adequate manifestation of difficult situation in which nobody got upset. Nobody got embarrassed. Nobody felt like they were threatened. Nobody got angry but they dealt with a difficult situation and they got the monks fed, but it wouldn't have been a very interesting koan. It would have been a good illustration, it would have been a good realization of the Dharma in real life, but it wouldn't have been a very interesting koan. David, I I saw your hand go up a few minutes ago. You're on mute. You're muted.
6: Um, I'm unmuted now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm reminded of actually of two things. Um, the first is in Paul Reps' book, Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, which is a story, you know, short stories, short Zen stories. Mm-hmm. There's one that's called "Is That So," and it's where uh, a woman is pregnant, and she blames the 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 monk for being the father
4: i
1: Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. And the, and the town comes to the to the monk, very upset, and they're castigating him and shunning him, and say, "Here, you take the baby and care for it." And he says, "Oh, is that so? You know, I'm the father." And um, and the year goes by, and finally, the young woman can't hold back anymore, and she says, "Oh, it wasn't the monk; it was the fishmonger in the market that's <laughs> the father." And so the town people come to see you know the monk and they're all apologetic and they said oh you give us the baby back i'm sorry we're we're sorry we shunned you and and he says oh is that so and he hands the baby back you know that he wasn't getting caught up in like you said a duality of trying to make somebody wrong or trying yeah. to defend himself
3: and he, and he makes sure that the babe somebody's taking care of the baby
6: yeah so he just took care of the baby because that's what the baby needed the baby needed to be cared for um and then in zen flesh uh not zen flesh in uh zen mind beginner's mind the story that uh or maybe it's not in there it's in paul repp's book how he talks about there was once uh the person who rang the gong to start morning service rang it early and you know and then everybody went and looked at the times oh it's it's the wrong time i'll go back to bed (laughs) and suzuki roshi went to the to the Zen hall. And, uh, and then when everybody finally came, he got very angry and he started hitting them. And, you know, when the bell rang, you come, that's it. You know? Yeah, so, so they, they
3: were making they were the, making the mistake that I proposed, hypothesized that Schweifan might have been arguing to Dishon, right? That those people thought there was a time called time to do Zazen and it had nothing to do with the bells. The bells could be late, they could be early. So you could yeah. ignore them if they were Later, early, right,
6: right. So that, that, because, I yeah, think the deal is,
3: Zazen the, time is when they ring the bell.
6: Exactly, exactly.
3: When the causes and conditions are right for Zazen, you said Zazen. Yeah. I guess so, so, Douglas.
5: I um, enjoyed your interpretation, which was fine, but I could read the, the story a totally different way.
3: Absolutely.
5: Part- Partly because I identify with Deshan as the old man, an old man here as uh, uh Kai indicated also means Roshi. Um, but uh, uh, I think one way to read it is that Deshan actually changes from the beginning to the end and that um, Deshan comes down and, and uh, maybe he's a little senile or something. And he just, you know, he, he misses it. And uh, Zhefeng reprimands him. Um, uh, you you, met, you mentioned some things about who Deshan is. Uh, Deshan is famous for for uh, at least earlier in his in his teaching career for hitting his students yeah. hard. Um, and uh, Yanto is the one who screamed. Schwefung, a couple of stories about Shuefeng. Can you hear me? Yeah, uh, Shuefeng, can,
1: you're can freezing. Remember? No, you're freezing.
5: Oh, dear. Oh,
1: oh my gosh.
3: <laughs> yeah, there are, a lot, there are a number of stories in which Yento sort of has to bring Shwefang along and explain things to him or teach him.
5: Yeah, Juefeng, um later in his – later as a teacher – uh, can you hear me now? Yes. Uh, later, as a teacher, it was it said that um, uh, all Buddhas sit in the middle of fire. Uh, and early on, he was expelled from Dongshan's assembly when he was a rice cook because he. Uh, there's just about him returning the rice bowl. Um, anyway, just just to go through the story uh, to to give a different reading, not that one's right or wrong, but just to part of what. What is wonderful about these stories is there's different ways to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, one way is to see Deshan goes down and and he, and Xuefeng says, "What are you doing here? You know, it's not time to it's not time for lunch yet." And Deshan just goes back to his room. Um, and uh, and Yanta says, "When Deshan when Xuefeng tells him, oh, he doesn't understand the last word. As you said, Douglas, he doesn't understand." You know the ultimate meaning. Um Deshan uh, asks. uh Deshan hears about it and calls Yanto to him. And Yanto expresses tells tells Deshan what he what he meant. And it doesn't really matter what Yanto says. But to me, the key line in the story is Deshan then stopped. Something happens. Deshan got something. Something Yeshan, I don't know if it's something Yanto said or whatever, but anyway, Deshan then stopped. The next day when Deshan went up to the hall to speak, it was not the same as usual, and Yanto clapped. And I don't know if it's something Deshan said, or maybe it's just the way Deshan entered the hall. So you were talking about nonverbal communication, Douglas. Mm -hmm. It may not have been anything that Deshan said, it's just the way he walked up to the to his seat and sat down might have been enough
3: for... I would think to so, clap but say, if, if that had been it, I would think that um, Hongzhou would have said he walked in in some interesting way and he wouldn't have put the emphasis on the fact that this is a different kind of Dharma talk than he'd given before.
5: I don't think that's what he says. It's, well, I don't know, maybe... Have, um,
3: uh, yeah, Cleary, Cleary. is a little deviant from most of the translations. Okay. Of, of well, that. anyway, He said the usual translation. He's it's not the same. He speaks. It's not the same as usual. They usually say, you know, it's a dharma talk different from the others he'd given before.
5: Okay. At, at any rate, uh, something is different. Yeah. So, so, so Deshan um, stopped. Something happened to Deshan to wake. Him up, even though he was already a great teacher, even though he was already the roshi at this temple. So this is what Dogen talks about when he says Buddha going beyond Buddha, that even a great master can keep uh, seeing something more, or going deeper. So that's that's another a different way of reading mm-hmm. this whole story, and not to say that what you said was wrong or any part of what is wonderful about these old stories and why we keep studying them is that there's lots of ways to turn them. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and the last word keeps changing. David. So thank you,
6: Douglas. Sure. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you, Tiger, is it possible that maybe the reason why he changed his Dharma talk was that he realized his students weren't getting it. So he had to do something different that they would understand and that, sure. be, that could be a reason for doing it. it. might have been, it could have been both that he he realized something and then he realized that the students didn't understand. So he wanted to communicate that to the students. So it became a different Dharma thought.
3: Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's another reading that Fang had his problem. Yento criticized Deshan and meant it. And then when he met with Deshan and explained his meaning, he was way off base. So... Deshan's final talk was to sort of explain things both to Yento and Schwifang, so that they'd finally get it because they were completely confused. Yeah,
5: and so maybe we're all confused.
3: <laughs> we all are confused. Yoshin. So <laughs> I don't know.
1: Oh, no, I was just acknowledging my confusion. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved your talk, Douglas. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Laurel.
1: I must say, I was shocked by Shui Feng's response. I I can't even imagine dressing down the master for <laughs> this, bringing yeah. his
4: bowl. I mean, yeah. I
1: I I had to stop right there. And
3: <laughs> yeah, I had to, saying something like that to Reb Anderson.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> or or Suzuki Roshi I mean, come on,
5: think about it <laughs> it happens yeah
1: but it's it doesn't seem okay
3: <laughs> yeah um so any other speculation from folks on what Yento had to say, and then what Deshan said in his final Dharma talk.
1: Uh, I have a question. Yeah. I don't know whether that's related. I'm. This is to Douglas, or Taigen, I guess. What is your last
3: word? Wow. <laughs> I, I haven't have said it word. yet. Yeah, I don't have a last word. I'm still waiting.
1: Uh, good night. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs> so, Douglas, you're saying there is no last word.
3: Yeah, I'm saying that the phrase last word, it can't really be the last word because it rely, it's dependent on first word, last word, when you refer to some ultimate truth, that ultimate, your understanding of ultimate truth is completely dependent on the existence of some conventional truth. So it can't, the ultimate truth is really contains both conventional truth and ultimate truth as thoughts. Those, Those
1: ideas, those labels arise within conventional, within ultimate truth.